Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their amazing hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 104. Hey guys, welcome to the show. This episode is brought to you by overly priced yet very delicious Nespresso Coffee. That is some good stuff. So get this. I got to tell you this quick story. Uh, I drink a lot of coffee. You guys know that. At least I think you know that. I talk about it a lot. Drink a lot of good coffee. And my wife went and bought a Nespresso coffee machine. They're not really a sponsor. I have no sponsors. But they. Um, she went and bought me that for Christmas. And then the week after New Year's, my wife wanted to do a cleanse. All fruit, all vegetables, nothing else. And I thought, okay, I could, I can probably handle that. Until like the day before, she tells me, oh, there's no caffeine allowed on this cleanse. That that was a deal breaker. If I didn't love my wife, that was pretty much. So my wife buys me an espresso machine. I I increase my intake of caffeine like between Christmas and New Year's like twofold, and then I have to go cold turkey on <laughs> January second. But I was able to do it. I went a few days there. I did get some headaches, made it through, and um, thankfully I'm I'm on the other side. I did lose ten pounds two uh, two inches, so that was two inches off my waist, and so that was cool. But I'm back to drinking my coffee, and it's awesome. So just thought I'd share that with you for some reason. It has nothing to do with hunting. But anyway, I thought I'd tell you that. Guys, i uh, real excited. I've got a video that I just released on YouTube, uh, Instagram TV, which I didn't even really know what that was until yesterday. Uh, it's on our Facebook page, Shedding Light Outdoors. Um, just search anywhere and you can check that out if you're already subscribed, which I hope that you are. You've already seen it probably. It's my uh, not just a doe video. Um, I, I kind of was thinking with this video, I had some really good footage from an October doe hunt uh, where all the pieces lined up. I had three cameras running, fantastic B-roll, everything was really good. And I thought, man, I can make a really good video. But then as I went to start to make it, I just I couldn't just make a regular doe video. I just thought, man, I've seen so many, and I know what happens. You post it, and a hundred people watch it, and they give you thumbs up, and it's just a doe video. Uh, and, and we all love shooting does, I think. We love the meat. We know all that. So I thought I'd do a video to kind of represent that whole feeling that I had, that it's not just a doe video. There's so much more beyond that hunt. I know we get excited about, mo- a lot of us, I think, are, are excited about trophy hunting and, and not maybe not trophy hunting, but getting a trophy, getting a big buck. And at the same time, there's some of us that are all focused on meat. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm somewhere in between. I love the meat uh, in my freezer, but I also love the horns. And so it's all important to me. And so I thought I'd create a video that kind of represented that. It's two minutes, 30 seconds long. I'm going to drop the link in this description uh, so you can check it out. And I'd love to hear your comments, your thoughts on it. It's done very well for, for a doe video. And I really appreciate it. If you've watched it already and supported it, I really appreciate that. We'll talk a little bit more about that whole editing process and kind of where that went in my mind at the end. But speaking of big bucks, uh, today's guest is a guest that, uh, once again, was recommended to me and I'm so glad that he was. Um, this guy is an average Joe from Minnesota. Uh, his name's Kyle Dulek, and Kyle, um, he's a car salesman, great guy, super nice guy, enjoyed talking to him, and uh, up until this year, he shot some nice bucks, you know, shot some bucks maybe in the 130s, and he's got some nice hunting properties, uh, nothing like high fences or anything crazy like that, but then this year, he shot a buck. A big buck. And then a little bit later in the season, he shot another buck. And then at the end of the season, he shot a buck. The buck. (laughs) And this story just blows my mind how a guy who's not got sponsors, not got anything crazy going on, he's just a guy like you and I, uh, the Lord truly blessed this guy this season, along with some great choices that he made. And so I am excited to share this episode with you, like any episode. So make sure you hit subscribe. If you enjoy this, please share it. Let's get the word out there. Let's grow this podcast. It's not just mine. It's yours. This is the Everyday Average Joe um, Blue Collar Guys 
podcast. At least that's what I hope it is. And anybody can listen, but that's who I'm aiming for. And if you enjoy it, please like it, share it, and uh, hit a review if you you enjoy it. All that said, we're going to go right into this. This is a great uh, story. We go from start to beginning, uh, start to finish, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy it, and I'm going to stop rambling. So here is Kyle Dulek. Well, joining me today from Southeast Minnesota is Kyle Dulek. Kyle, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Oh, just living the dream, doing well. It's a nice day here in Ohio. How about Minnesota? What's the weather like up there? Yeah, not too bad. Upper 30s. We just kind of got out of a cold snap. It was cold, you know, freezing zero to 10 degrees a couple weeks ago. But we got a heat wave right now, not too bad, <laughs> like 37 degrees. Most people in the country are like, 37 is, that's cold, man. That's cold, but not in Minnesota. <laughs> no, no, we're loving it. Oh, that's cool, man. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what do you do for a living? Tell us about life there in, in Minnesota. Yeah, you bet. Uh, 38 years old. I actually, I work for a car dealership. I'm a car salesman of all things. Uh, my first real job, I was 16 years old and wanted a car and my folks said, get a job and save some money. So I started washing cars every day after school and never left. Uh, 22 years with the same company. Uh, it's called Doll Automotive out of La Crosse, Wisconsin. And I sell cars for a living. Okay, cool, man. Hey, that's, that's, people need them. Hey, that's, yeah. never going, that's never going out of style. No, not yet anyways. <laughs> uh, cool, man. Um, wife, kids, family, all that kind of stuff. Yep. Yep. Uh, same girl, 22 years. I uh, got three little ones, twin girls at her eight. And then I've got a 60 year old little, little man, my boy, Caden. Um, and yeah, it's, it's high school sweethearts. Oh man. That's awesome. Living yeah. the dream there. And how big is your town? Uh, less than 500 people. It's a little bitty town, uh, right off of an interstate. And I drive 15 minutes to work to a bigger city across the river, La Crosse, Wisconsin. But yeah, I grew up small town living and everybody knows everybody. It's a, it's a cool community. Lived here since I was five. Oh, that's cool, man. Very cool. Well, I, I'm reaching out today. So I, I don't get a lot of recommendations of like, usually guys will say, hey, I want to come on the podcast. But today, uh, got a recommendation for you from a guy named Alex. And I think you know Alex. And Alex said, I need to have you on the show because you killed... A lot of deer this year, I think, and <laughs> not only that, but there might be one that may have gone a little over that magic 200 number. So I uh, wanted to hear that story along with just how your season went, but I thought we'd kind of build up to it a little bit. And I wanted to hear a little bit just kind of the, the Minnesota hunting experience growing up for you. So uh, what was that like? You know, I don't know that I've had... If I have, I don't even remember, but I don't know if I've had another guest on from Minnesota. So Kyle, tell us a little bit about what that was like for you growing up, just some of your experiences, any stories you remember from the early days. Yeah, you bet. Uh, I've been around it my whole life. My whole family grew up hunting. And I remember as a kid, you know, watching my dad go out hunting and he's he really influenced me, my grandpa, my uncles. And we had a, a family farm on my dad's side and it was a big hunting party. And back then it was more of meat and filling the freezer but they've shot a lot of big deers i remember just going there and being in awe of you know there was 20 guys a part of a party hunt and as everybody got older they all kind of went their separate right ways so you know i started hunting with just my uncle my brother and i've got you know grade school classmates high school we stayed tight over the years so we got our kind of little thing that we do and you know we hunt our each little ground every once in a while we'll get together and do some deer drives but for the most part it's the same area I've been hunting. I remember how I got hooked. I was maybe 10 or 11 and old enough to go sit with my dad. I wasn't hunting at the time, looking forward to gun safety. And we were sitting on the ground against a tree and I watched him shoot one of the biggest deer at the time. I thought, you know, I think it was an eight pointer with like an 18 inch spread. And yeah. you know, I was sitting on one side of the tree, watching one side, he was on the other side and he poked me and I was like, and I watched him shoot it in the fall. And I was hooked ever since. I couldn't wait to go hunting. So I've never missed a, a deer season since I was 12. Oh, wow. I'm 38 right now. So that's what we live for. We we love it. We talk about it 365 days a year around here. And, you know, not a lot of deer. We You know, I've seen a lot of nice ones over the years, but I've never, I've usually, you know, shot a few does and your typical eight pointers, 17, 18 inch spread. And, 
you know, five, six years ago, I kind of made a conscious effort to let all those go, just trying to shoot something nicer. But hmm. and we still, I make my own venison. We process it ourselves. We hang it ourselves. And, you know, it's, it's just one of those years where it was a dream season. Everything came together and <laughs> I'm still in awe. I, I can't yeah. believe it. Uh, you know, that's, it was ingrained in me since I was little and the whole family still gets together. And, you know, the day I shot that big one, my uncles, my cousins, my dad, my mom, they were there before I even got the deer back. <laughs> it was pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It sounds, it, sounds like it's a, it sounds like it's a way of life up there. It's not just, hey, we occasionally go hunt. It kind of sounds like it's it's a part of everything you guys do. Yeah, it is. Um, and in southeast Minnesota, it's, it, it's great hunting. It's just beautiful scenery, the river, the bluffs. And we're fortunate in the area we live, there's deer around. There's plenty of deer. It's farmland. There's a lot of corn and, you know, they, there's big deer around. I've never seen them up until this year. I, just, <laughs> I, think like, I can't believe all these deer around here. But, yeah, it's fortunate. But we think about it all the time and we scout, we shed hunt, we put our food plots in. And eventually when we have birthdays and get togethers, it always comes to deer hunting. Somebody's talking about it and what we're doing. And <laughs> but yeah, it's a way of life for sure. Oh man. I, uh, I was reading through a book. I got a book for Christmas and it's, um, it's the history of the Boone and Crockett club, which I've <laughs> never entered. Um, <laughs> I'd, li- I'd love to, but, um, but the Boone and Crockett club, I was looking at a graphic that I sent to my buddy and it was basically kind of a, it's a distribution map of white tailed deer entries for the Boone and Crockett club from 1830 through 1979. And it's basically kind of got like this little collar chart, if you can picture that, with like all these little squares for counties. Mm-hmm. And it's saying like, you know, dark represents like six entries or more. And then like a light gray, there's like one or two entries. And I look at my state and shockingly, you know, not shockingly, I've heard it. Ohio just didn't have a lot between 1830 and 1979. Like across the state, there's like maybe I'm looking at 10 squares. Only a couple of them are darker that had more than six entries. And and like, there's maybe one from my County during that time. But if I go on up to Minnesota, that whole, like your whole Northern part of your state and even like the other part is just black. Like, so from 1830 to 1979, it just looked like there are a lot of big deer coming out of Minnesota. It, it, like growing up, is that something you experienced? Did you see like a lot of big deer? Was that kind of the norm or did that kind of fizzle out a little bit? Yeah, we've seen a lot of big deer, you know, with, back in when I grew up, it was more of hunting the meat. It wasn't about a lot of big deer. A lot of the big deer my grandpa shot, they didn't even think about my, the horns just laid in the corner and nobody ever did anything with them. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. even about that. And yeah, I would say, you know, the last 10 to 15 years, it's really changed. You know, you know, I was shocked Northern Minnesota, as many Boone and Crockett bucks. And now you see, you know, I'm kind of on the edge of like Houston County, Winona County and you know, that's across the river from like the famed Buffalo County in Wisconsin. You know, that's right directly across the river. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's incredible. And I, I remember the first thing I remember looking at is you ever see the legendary Whitetails magazine? Oh, yeah. Uh, I think Ohio and I think of the hole in the horn buck. And I remember paging through as a kid, you know, the Minnesota Monarch was one that was featured in that magazine and the Ohio hole in the horn buck and the old mossy horns. And of course, the what's the world record in Canada, the, uh, mile Hansen buck. And yeah. I just remember as a kid, I still have that magazine. I was, I was going to dig it out the other day, just to page through it again. But you know, now it, it's starting to be surprising, you know, you know, I think Ohio and, you know, I think huge deer in Ohio. I think I thought like, man, they got big ones over there. You see a lot of it lately. And, yeah. you know, sometimes maybe we take it for granted, you know, what is, you know, I think Northern states are a little tough now. Cause I guess they got wolves up there. I've seen a lot of that. Yeah. We're starting to shift closer to the bluff country, but it's know, just like, crazy it how much it changes. It. Yeah. Growing up, um, growing up, I saw a lot of deer, but if you talk to the old timers around here, um, they, they didn't see a lot of deer growing up. So I, I kind of had this impression until I read this book, I should know my history a little bit better, but I guess, you know, the guys that are like in their 60s, 70s, there wasn't a ton of deer and, but it wasn't always that way. It's because during the depression, that pre-area, there was no regulations and guys just decimated herds across the United States until they finally put some laws into place. And, and I think that's part of, you know, just that management aspect that kind of came into hunting that had to be there, whether you're hunting for meat, whether you're hunting for horns, either way, 
we're all on the same team, right? <laughs> and you got to have that herd be healthy and, and do well. And I can, I'm glad to see that it's still going well in Minnesota. It seems like. Yeah. My grandpa told me stories there. They'd be lucky to see a deer in any season. You know, there was mm -hmm. years in Minnesota, like you said, I think the herd got decimated and, you know, until the regulations came, but there was times where they'd go two or three years, they'd be lucky to see one or two deer all year. So yeah. totally different. I grew up in a different era. You know, I'm used to seeing deer, you know, there's a lot more private land. It used to when they hunted, they'd have access to 600 acres and they would push the land. Now that's all sold off in little bitty forties and it's a different, different world than it is back then. That what you just said is it seems like that is the case across the United States. I was, yeah. I, I've talked about this with my buddies, like growing up, all I knew was deer drives and deer pushing yeah. and that kind of thing. And that, that style is just, it's evaporating. It's, it's becoming harder and harder to do that. There's leases and like you said yeah. little chunks and it's just harder to do that and then you got a lot of guys that bow hunt and don't want you know guys pushing driving their land and that type of thing so you have a lot of different elements so you you kind of grew up with that that style is that something that you you stuck with is it still something you still do or did you kind of shift into bow hunting kind of what talk a little bit about you know um has things stayed the same since you grew up or have they changed a little bit in your approach uh changed a lot you know we grew up pushing deer and group of 20 guys and you know everybody kind of went their separate ways now I mostly sit and yeah I moved into bow hunting you know seven eight years ago and that really opened my eye I mean way more natural I'm used to running deer and pushing them through the woods and just when you're sitting with a bow early season it's actually nice out and they're a lot more natural it definitely changed how I hunt but we for the most part I sit you know I'll have you know family coming we'll go to one stand this stand and you know, we do do a little bit of deer drives at the end of the year if somebody's looking to field tags, but totally different approach. And, you know, I do own some land now, so it's a little bit different when you're on your own land and trying to manage. You know, I don't have enough to manage it. You know, I don't really tell anybody, here's what you can shoot and don't shoot. They all kind of know, don't shoot little ones if you can. And, but yeah, totally different. And bow hunting changed that. Just, you know, you can spend so much time, you know, before I'd have a, you know, a week of season. And, you know, if I did get off of work, you'd hunt a couple of days and you made those days count. If you were hunting, you were out there trying to shoot something. Now I take two weeks off. I hunt, you know, both season in Minnesota, the laws have changed so much, even recently, you know, how many deer you can take. And I'm in a zone where, you know, uh, there's a CWD season. So we could hunt from September all the way to the end of December. And it was totally different than what I was used to for many years in Minnesota one buck if you shot one with your bow you were done for buck no more bucks if you you couldn't shoot one with a gun now mm -hmm. they've changed that a little bit you can shoot one with a bow a muzzle loader your gun tag and you know it's a little bit different and a lot of my guys don't agree with how many deer they want to shoot now they're it's a little different of what they're trying to do to manage the herd with this yeah but i'm fortunate the year that i did see these three big deer i've got i could you know we could shoot more than one buck if this was three years ago I couldn't have shot that 220 inch deer. I would have never, I would have had to let it go because I already wow. threw my buck tag and I'm incredibly lucky. I just say, you know, like I said, that's yeah. all, how it all played out is just unreal. Yeah. And I think that's, um, that's interesting. I think it's just interesting from state to state. So in Ohio, you can shoot, I think up to six deer, but only, but it's limited per county. So I've tagged out in my county. You're allowed one buck for the entire state. Um, and doesn't matter what you kill it with. And so it's just interesting how states change and they move. And I, and sometimes you trust the wildlife officers to know like the deer populations. And sometimes you wonder a little bit about some laws, right. but you know, um, but if it's legal, I say go for it. <laughs> we came from probably, I don't know if it was seven or eight years of antler point restrictions. So it had oh, okay. to have four to a side, one buck all year. You know, I remember as a kid, you'd have to, a lottery to shoot a doe, you know, certain permits. And, you know, it was totally different. Now it's kind of the exact opposite, whether it'll change. It seems to change year to year for the last couple of years. They're, they're allowing you to shoot more than one buck, but it may change again. You know, and like I said, even in our state, there's different areas. They definitely don't agree upon what's the right approach. And there's, yeah. they're learning every year. So we'll see what yeah. happens. And, it, and it, I mean, it, that's the things are constantly changing, right? I mean, you think yeah. about where we were years ago and the fact that our herds have came back and so they're allowing more and it's, you know, I, I don't claim to be an expert on any of that stuff. I'm pretty dumb whenever it comes to that biology. And I, I just hope and trust that these guys know it and I need to study more, but you know, hopefully they make the right choices and we can all enjoy it for years to come. Right. Uh, 
Well, Kyle, I want to I want to hear a couple stories from you. Actually, a few. Um, I want to hear about your first buck, if you remember that story. And I want to kind of hear that story and then dive into this season a little bit. Does that work for you? Yeah, you bet. Uh, I still remember the first buck I ever shot. Uh, Good. It actually, as the crow flies, it might be four or five hundred yards away from my shot. This big one. Um, it was in the same uh, area of the woods, the same landowner, and you know, it, it's. This, I've hunted the same section my whole life. I mean, for a while, you know, I literally, I'm fortunate I can get up and I can get into the woods, you know, 15 minutes, you know, I don't have to drive two hours to hunt them. You know, I could wake up and go out my backyard and hunt if I wanted to, you know, but I still remembered I was sitting on the ground. I was hunting with my dad. Um, and it was a big bowl shaped area. And he went on one side of the point and he still claims to this day that the only reason I seen it is because he walked around that point and pushed it to me. And at the time, I didn't even know he was doing that. You know, it was pretty incredible. I was sitting on the ground and I still have the same gun I shot with an 870 Wingmaster pump. And oh, I yeah. sit against a tree on the top of this bowl and it come off the point to the right. And and I I had a, it's got a bead on it. <clears throat> I literally shot it and it ran directly behind me. And it started running it past the tree I was sitting against through the brush. And literally I had a one piece, just a, a camouflage suit. And there was blood that sprayed literally past me as it rained, walked, ran past me and it dropped. Wow. And, and it was an eight pointer, probably a 16 inch spread just as a, I, I must've been 12 or 13. I, I think I was only hunting for maybe two or three years at the time. And to me, it was an absolute giant. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't wait to tell my dad. And, <laughs> you know, I was just so jacked. And yeah, that was the first buck I ever shot. Oh, man. And that's a great gun. I actually, I, I had that gun out last night. I have an 870 Wingmaster as well. It's, that's a, a classic. Yeah, I shot a lot of deer with it. It was a heat mm -hmm. seeker. I just, one of those guns, I just, I, I'll probably never get rid of it. I haven't shot it in years, but it was an incredible gun. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that's cool, man. Yeah. Much in the same way. My, my first buck was a buck on the run and just kind of came down over the hill and you just pull up and you're like, Lord, help me make a good shot here. <laughs> 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 Nothing prepares you. Like, uh, nobody ever had me practice the running shots yet. That's most of what we were taking in those first few years. Yeah. So, yeah. So you transitioned to a bow and I'm sure there's probably a hundred stories that you could tell between there and this year, but I want to, I want to talk about just because I know it's, uh, you had a full year. So kind of bring us through a little bit what led into this year and just, just tell us what went down. I, all I know is that there was some, some animals killed <laughs> and yeah. I don't know, I think three, if I know, if I know, but go ahead and just unpack this season for us a little bit. Sure. Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. Bow hunting starts here, uh, middle of September and, Actually, it was a little different season. My uncle's been on me to go elk hunting with him for a number of years. And usually I take the week off before the gun season. I go bow and I usually sit, you know, bow season probably 10 to 15 times. And I thought I was taking a week off. We went to Montana elk hunting beginning of September. And a couple of weeks before we left, he says, you know, it's two weeks, right? And I thought we we're going for a week. I'm like, you're kidding me. So I, I almost ran out of vacation. <laughs> <laughs> so I really didn't take that week off. So I sat with my bow a couple of times and I did shoot a, a doe with my bow. That was the first deer I shot this year. And I did Elkhart, which was a blast out in Montana with our bows. We, you know, no rifles. It was public ground. And, you know, uh, there was four of us that went, we ended up with uh, two elk and a mule deer, which was awesome. Just, uh, I got in really good shape. We pounded the way long white walks and hikes and all day long. And, you know, when I got back from there, the bow season was open in Minnesota. Um, so I hunted a few times. I shot a doe and the gun season in Minnesota, the, the gun season starts almost with the rut. It was November 7th. It's a Saturday. And a lot of people come around to hunt Minnesota gun season because it coincides with the rut. And, you know, so you know, I didn't do as much bow hunting. I didn't have that week off. I took the week off during the gun season, you know, because I was out of vacation. I was literally out. So I'm like, well, I'm going to take this off and so it was opening morning of the gun season. And, you know, I was actually behind my house in that little 40 acres. There's been a deer that I've had on camera for the last three and a half years since I've moved here that just always eluded me. I could never catch up with him when last year he busted all of his points and my dad could have shot him. He let him go hoping maybe he'd get his horns back. Cause it was an older deer. I, I thought he was six and a half years old just from the history I had with him. And that was the number one deer on my hit list. Um, and I was after him and, 
open in the morning. There's a stand. I had a friend help me hang literally a week before the season, a ladder stand. I made a food plot up there. Been, and it's a long hike. I mean, it's literally a, a road and it takes a while to get there. But believe it or not, in November, it was unbelievably warm in our gun season. It's usually cold and sometimes, you know, 10, 12 degrees. It was like 40, 50 degrees and it was forecast to be 60 degrees that weekend. So I can long sleeve shirt, my hiking boots, the thinnest I've ever wore going to a tree <laughs> that's, stand. That's a heat blaze in Minnesota. Yeah, I, it, it was it was awesome to sit in because it was just like bow season. You know, it was you didn't get cold, your hands. And I was sitting in that ladder stand and it was 7.15 in the morning and literally this nice buck. And I, you know, I knew it was big. I, you know, it was, it happened so fast. It was the first time I ever sat in the stand and it literally crossed in front of me. And I was sitting there and I, I could see horns probably 30, 40 yards. It's pretty thick area there. And it stopped and it looked, you know how they stop and they look right up at you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a giant. And he put his head down and yanked it back. He did it like three times and I never moved. My gun was sitting on my lap and I'm like, and he put his head down and he started crossing. I just snuck around on him and, you know, I made a perfect shot. I seen it, you know, the blood go and he literally dropped like 40 yards. I watched him drop and I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, that's opening morning, literally an hour in the stand. And, you know, a couple of buddies, uh, you know, I, uh, one of my best friends, his boy had just shot a nice one too. And the, you know, a couple of people are kind of rattling off, Oh, seeing deer, seeing deer. And I was just, I couldn't believe it, you know, and I, the guy I text was the guy that helped me hung the stand. And I said, I, you'll never believe it. I shot a nice one out of this day. You know, I've shot a lot of deer, but nothing really, anything close to one thirties, one forties. And that was the, the 170 inch 11 pointer that was open in morning. Um, wow. and when I got to him, you know, I knew he was big and it was massy. And when I walked to him, you know, I waited, you know, probably 20 minutes. I couldn't take it anymore. He was, I could see his belly and he was down and, you know, I got to him and it's one of them deer that got bigger, you know, usually you get that little shrinkage and this one got bigger and it was by far one of the biggest deer I've ever seen, you know, in hunting. And I couldn't believe it. That was open in the morning. Wow. So opening morning, you shoot one and that, I'm sorry, that was with a gun, right? Yeah, it was a shotgun. Yeah. Shotgun season. So you guys have, break down your seasons real quick so I can kind of follow along. So you have shotguns, you said archery kind of lasts a long time through yeah. there. And then yeah, there's the so CWD permit. Yeah. So archery starts the middle of September, goes all the way to the end of the year, really at the end of December. Uh -huh. um, shotgun season. It's a little weird in Minnesota. They used to have two separate seasons. One like the runs like the first weekend that goes from a Saturday to the following Sunday. That was called the buck season. Back when I grew up, you could only shoot a buck. Um, that was it. You had one tag and then they have a second season that kind of coincides around Thanksgiving. That's there's a week off. And that was called the doe season where you only could shoot does. Well, that kind of went out the window years ago because you can shoot a buck or a doe in either season. And now your tag is good for both seasons. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So it's weird that never, that just started like two years ago, you know, so I've always gone the first season. My dad was always hunting bucks and the family farm and everything. And that's what I've always hunted. So that goes from, yeah, November 7th to the following Sunday. So it's a week long season. You get two weekends and that's what most of our party hunts um but yeah that was the first one so you know literally get that one back to our little man cave we got a shed that we process all our deer the words start getting out buddies copping over pretty pretty cool you know i i didn't know that deer was around uh you know one of the neighbors had been after him for a bunch of years he was a ways away from his home territory he was just cruising all by himself um but yeah it was an incredible deer and you know to this day i remember you know before i shot that big one i look at it i'm like how do they get any bigger? You know, I'm looking, I'm like, this thing is huge, just huge mass. I'm, I was so happy with that deer. I'm like, it's just a giant, you know, and I'm thinking it, there's no way, you know, I was thinking, you know, not that I was ever going to see one, but I'm like, I, I literally thought, how do they get to 200 inches? Cause I just can't pitch them being any bigger than this deer, you know? Yeah. So that was pretty incredible. So then, you know, it was, my brother was down and he doesn't spend a lot of time to hunt. So, you know, it was me, my dad, my brother, a couple of my buddies, we all hunt together, go to different stands and pretty fortunate. I got a few different properties. We can spread everybody out and I'll kind of say, go here, go here, you know, so everybody's in their own little thing. Nobody's in anybody else's way. And, you know, it was about the Thursday of the gun season, you know, um, and, you know, I still hunted every morning, every day, cause we have multiple tags. You can shoot, you know, now Minnesota allows like cross tagging. So you can party hunt and, I can shoot as many does as I want to, if I choose to. And, 
there was one morning that I, uh, a couple of my brothers stayed and a couple of people stay overnight. I got a little, uh, like I said, a man shed and, you know, I got up one morning and I walked out there and who wants to hunt, you know, and only one of the four wanted to get up and hunt that morning. And I kind of <laughs> thought, you know, I'll try the spot behind the house. I haven't, you know, I hunted it too hard. I was spreading it out a little bit, trying to hunt that one that I had on camera. So I put a really good buddy of mine in a tree stand and I literally walked around the corner and sat on the ground. Um, you know, I never sit on the ground. I'm always, I, you know, got stands everywhere. I like the climbers. I sit a lot in climbers and I wasn't expecting to see much, you know, it was a real cold morning by then the cold snap came and, and literally, um, I was sitting on the ground, you know, it gets light out at about, I would say like, I don't know, six twenty something like that. And it was still dark out. I was sitting on the top of a ditch or the side of a ditch and I could hear a deer coming. It was still dark out. And it, I could see a silhouette of a deer on the other side of the ditch kind of below me. And I kind of moved a little bit on the ground to try to see if I could pick it up in the scope. And it seen me move and it just, it didn't get, you know, nervous. It just turned around and walked the other way. I'm thinking, oh, that's why I don't sit on the ground. I totally blew it. I can't believe it, you know. And it wasn't but 20 minutes later. And I think it was the same deer come back. But this time it was a little higher on the ditch. And it was working its way around the ditch. And I'm literally sitting against a tree and I could swing with my gun and I followed it as it's trotting. And I, you know, it was maybe a 30 yard shot, perfect shot. And it come around the ditch and tipped over probably 10 yards in front of me, a head on the log. And it turned out when I shot it, I knew exactly which one it was. It was the one I was after my number one buck, that one, that was that 10 pointer that I've been trying to kill for three and a half years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was, I just, when I shot it, I'm, when I first seen it, I could tell what it was. I'm like, Oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. It's that nice buck. You know, it was, you know, that was my dream buck. Yeah. I was, I was trying to kill that one for three years and it literally tipped over in front of me, you know, and that's probably, I don't know if that was around seven o'clock in the morning. It was real early. I hadn't been sitting. I didn't even get my coat on. I had my coat around my waist. And as I was walking, I was sitting on it thinking, well, I'll kind of bundle up as I get settled in, but I never even got settled in because there was deer around me right away in the morning. And that was the buck I was after all season. So that was number two. Um, and that was right around 140 inches. Um, nice 10 pointer, real tall, long tines. And that's like the six and a half year old deer. Uh, so, that, so you've been after this 140 inch buck and you kill it after you've already killed a 170. And yeah. did you know the 170 was there? Had you ever seen the first buck before? Now I go back to pictures and I got some pictures, but I didn't know he was there. I was not after him you know he was in the area yeah um, his home area was you know as the crow flies not terribly far away but he wasn't using any of the woods where i was he was just coming through it i got the pictures of him from last year um and then this year as i go back and look at him again but yeah i it was a surprise i was definitely not after that one he wasn't on my radar at all he wasn't spending much time on my property at all mm. um the, the guy that was after him was actually uh, my girlfriend, Steph's uncle. Um, he knew about him. He was hunting him for the last, I think, three years. We've always talked about him, but, you know, and he hunts maybe a mile away or something like wow. that. It's amazing how far those, this uh, just this past year, I, I, I started piecing together how far these deer actually move, you know, during the season. And it's, yeah. sometimes you just think that's their bedding area right up there. And this is where they move because you have a couple trail cam pictures, but we don't fathom that these deer can literally go a couple miles. It's nothing yeah. for them to go miles from their home range. And yeah, definitely. And, and they change, you know, their fall, summer range is totally different where they winter. And yeah, I mean, it's not uncommon where, I'll have a picture of a deer and somebody that lives five miles away has a picture of the same deer, you know, yeah. it's like, wow, you know, and, insane. but yeah, that was up until that point, I'm thinking, wow, what an unbelievable season. I'm just blessed. And you know, when I shot that one, you know, bring it back to the shed and knowing the people that didn't go hunting, didn't even hardly hear me, uh, shoot that one, you mm -hmm. know, but wow. Well, Kyle, before I want, I want to, obviously I want to get to this last hunt. I'm, I'm, I'm foaming here to get to it, but I want to ask yeah. just because guys will be probably, this is a hunting stories podcast, right? Love the stories. That's what I'm all about. But you killed three giant bucks this year. I have to ask you, is there any tactics or any, like, what was it just, I mean, you should have gone out and played the lottery. Were you just getting lucky? What, what do you think contributed to your success? Do you think? Uh, Definitely playing the win. I mean, I really, and um, it, it sounds like a lot of luck and it certainly is, but I'm a guy that all my clothes go in a tote. Every time I hunt, I take a shower before I go anywhere. 
when I hunt, my clothes come on, I come home, they come off, they go in a scent free tote. Um, and I definitely paid a lot more attention. I had a little more stands to hunt. You know, I had three different properties. So I think in the past I was, I had my favorite stands like we all do, you mm -hmm. know, but I think I burned out a lot of my stands just hunting them regardless. I was going there no matter what, what the wind was doing, but it is a lot of the, the weather, the wind, every stand I hunted, the reason I went there because the wind was in my favor. And I think it really made a difference. And I didn't burn out a lot of the stands. You know, the one that I shot, the biggest one, that was only the second time I sat in it this year. Last year, I probably hunted it 20 times. Um, mm. And it really made a difference. Pressure. Yeah. Pressure makes a big part of that. Huh. Mm -hmm. All right. So I appreciate that. And I think that's solid advice. I think as guys, for me this year, I, uh, I definitely <laughs> would overhunt or I would, you know, I tried really hard to keep washing my clothes. And like you said, take a shower. There's a few hunts where I didn't and who knows, maybe that would have, would have cost me. So I appreciate that. So you get a 170, you get a 140, these mature deer that you're, you're going after, what's your thoughts going from there? Are you feeling like, man, I can't get any better or how, how does your season progress from that point? Definitely. I'm thinking, wow, what a season. This is unbelievable. I mean, you know, for, you know, I've never seen two deer like that ever in the woods. I'm thinking I'm probably done. You know, um, I was thinking and I go muzzleloader every year. Um, you know, so I was thinking, ah, am I going to buy a tag or not? Cause you know, at that time I'm back to work and I'm working long hours and I usually have Tuesdays and Sundays off. And last year I bought a muzzle at the loader tag. Oh, probably seven, eight years ago. I literally won this muzzle loader at a deer hunting banquet probably six, seven years ago. And I've gone muzzle loader ever since. And I enjoy it. Sometimes we'll get together and push deer during the muzzle loader, but I was 50, 50 on whether I was even going to buy a tag. And you know, I kind of thought about it and I bought a tag, you know, it's not like it's super expensive and thinking I'll go this Sunday. And a lot of the reason I bought the tag is, is we're in like a doe contest and, you know, my buddies have a big doe contest and I knew the spot I was going, I'd shot a, like 150 pound doe there. I don't know if it was last year or the year before, you know, I'm thinking, oh, you know, and I probably, I made a lot of burger into the first bucks because they're older bucks. I'm like, I'd shoot a doe, make some roast and you know, do that. So I bought the tag thinking nothing of it. Um, I literally had the deer, this, this 223 inch deer on camera all last season. I hunted him really hard last season and he disappeared. I was literally like, where did he go? I never seen him once this year, nothing on camera. Um, I got him one time, November 20th, that's towards the end of it. And I'm thinking, well, there's a chance he's in this area. And, you know, I hadn't heard anybody shooting him. So I bought the tag. And it was the, the Sunday. I still remember this. I was, you know, I bought the tag and, you know, the, I'm a big Viking fan here in Minnesota. Sometimes it's tough to watch them because, frankly, they haven't been that good this year. And yeah. I'm watching them play the Jacksonville Jaguars and it gets the halftime. And I'm like committed to go and go to this spot because the wind was perfect for this spot. It was a northwest wind and, you know, I'd only been there once. So I'm like, okay, I'm committed. You know, I take my shower, get my clothes ready. And it's colder day. It's not super cold out, but this spot where I shot this big deer, it's a long hike. Um, you know, it's probably about a 45 minute hike. It mm. takes a long time to get there. And I was committed and, you know, so I get to this, uh, kind of ready to go. I drive my quad to the, this opening, not in the woods, it's on a field. And I walk the rest of the way to this spot. That's about a 45 minute walk. So is it back in like timber it. or yeah, uh, it's describe, a, describe the spot a little for us. Yeah. It's a, just, huge valleys, ridges, points, just nasty spot. Um, mm. it's, it's, I hunt an 80 acre spot out of it. Um, there's neighbors that hunt kind of a couple areas next to it, but yeah, definitely it's, it's a ridge top. Um, okay. the beginning of the ridge is farmland, cornfields, and it turns into all woods and just a lot of draws, ditches and thick, nasty woods. And there's a road that runs the whole top kind of South to North. So that's what I walk out there. So I'm walking, I know more than get in the woods and, you know, I, I kick up a doe. This is a ways away from where I'm headed. You know, and I didn't think much of it, you know, and I kind of sneak in as best I could along the road. And I get, I got three ladder stands along this ridge road that I've been hunting most of the season. Um, pretty, pretty regularly seeing good number of deer. My brother shot a 10 pointer off of one of the stands. That was pretty nice buck, like a three and a half year old. And I get to the second stand a little bit past it and I stop and there's, 
literally doe standing at like one of my third stands, like right below it. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, and this is only about halfway to the stand. And she keeps looking behind her, looking behind her. And she kind of moseys on. I just stood there. I'm right in the middle of the road. And I thought about shooting her if it was a big doe. And she, but I watched her look behind her. I'm like, I better not shoot her. There might be more coming. And then another one came behind her. And, you know, one other one, cut. you know, and it, they stood there. That took like 20, 30 minutes. And I was almost thinking I should just sit here and probably just start hunting. And I end up glassing a little bit where they walked by my second stand. And I seen a pretty good buck, like behind them, chasing them a little bit. And, you know, I'm thinking, oh boy, you know, you know, what do I do? Do I not go there? And I thought about it a little bit and, you know, I was pretty committed to that stand. So I just kept going, you know, it took me, I sat there for 20 minutes, letting them go by me. And, you know, so I get all the way to this back stand. That's, you know, the farthest walk in the whole place. And it's one of my best stands. I put it there like three years ago. I've hunted that area a long time, but you know, it's just one of those spots that you know is a good spot. It's a big bowl with a huge point and a saddle, and it's really a hard edge. I, when I say hard edge, I hunted a lot where the thick stuff ended, just a, an edge where it's really thick, and then it gets a little, and, you know, I, I was a firm believer. I hunted a lot more thick stuff. I wasn't in the middle of the thick stuff like the bedding area, but I was on the edge of it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and this stand I hung is a, it's called a Millennium 360. Um, it's like a circle stand. It's got, uh, you know, a ladder I put going up it. It's in a triple tree, but why I mean 360, there's a chair in the middle of it and you can swivel 360 because the deer come from everywhere in this spot. I've had them come in oh, front cool. of you, behind me and the chair is a really silent chair and you can do 360. And I got three trees that the stands kind of in the middle of, and they're kind of like a nice gun rest, you know? So I get in there and, you know, it's probably... I started off at like 1.30 and I don't think I got there until probably about three o'clock. It took me that long to get there. Um, and I get settled in. It's a pretty nice evening, you know, and not terribly cold, a good wind. And by about, I want to say four o'clock, I had a doe that come over the ridge right in front of me. Um, and I, when I first seen her, I'm like, oh, that's the big one. I was thinking, no, man, this, this might be one to shoot. And as it kind of fed towards me and wandered, it was just browsing on the green there. And you know, uh, we got like a little text message group and one of the buddies, you know, a couple of people were out hunting and anybody see anything. And I kind of said, ah, I took a picture of it. I said, I got a doe in front of me. And, you know, they're all like, shoot it, shoot it. And I'm like, I don't know. You know, and as I looked at it a little more, it was a smaller doe. It wasn't a big doe, anything that I was after, but it literally stood in front of me the whole time. I started taking a little video of it and, you know, it kind of looked at me a couple of times and, but it was literally about 20 yards directly in front of me and nothing else with it. And, you know, it got to be, you know, quarter after four, something like that. And directly behind me where it gets really thick, the coyotes really went off. There's coyotes in this area. I hear them almost every night as I'm getting out of the stand. And mm-hmm. this is pretty early for them to be howling like they were. And I kind of was curious to what that doe was going to do. And her ears kind of perked up, but it didn't seem to bother too much. He just kept browsing. And it wasn't too long after they were howling. You know, I'm kind of watching her, just kind of seeing what she's doing and what she's, you know, what the coyotes were making her do. And all of a sudden I could hear kind of crunching from behind me, you know, and my first thought was, is ah, probably them coyotes. I probably have to shoot one of them coyotes because there's just a lot of them in there and it was crunching, crunching. And, you know, about 80 yards away is kind of what I figured, you know, and I'm trying to keep one eye on that doe and kind of look at the other way without moving, without getting busted because she's really close at the time. And so I'm trying to kind of watch both and see this and, I, I kind of swiveled a little bit in that stand. And if I didn't have that stand, I don't know that I'd be able to even get a shot on this deer. Cause I would have to stood up and turn all the way around. And I think that deer would have picked me off pretty easy if I had to do that, but I was sitting down and I swiveled directly behind me and I could hear this deer on a scrape. And when I, you know, it was really making a scrape and I kind of finally picked up maybe the last foot of its body. I could see its tail every once in a while flick in, but it literally sat on this scrape for, it seemed like forever. And there was like a couple of trees in front of it. So I could never see exactly what it was. I could just see the back foot of the deer and the tail. And, you know, I didn't even grab my gun at the time. I knew it was a buck cause it was on a scrape down there. And it was just really making a scrape, rubbing its horns, raking the leaves. And, you know, I was watching it for at least a good 10 minutes in the binoculars, just looking at it. And all of a sudden it just moved enough in between the big trees that were blocking it, where I caught the one side of the horns and I'm like, one, two, three, four. I'm like, Oh, and I'm like, right away. It was like, no mistake, like big buck. I'm like, Oh, and then I kind of got a little serious, you know, I'm like, that's a big one. But 
you know, I only seen the one side that had the the typical side. I didn't see any of the drop tine or the other side. And, and after that, I'd never looked at the rack ever again. I just knew it was a big one. And it flashed in my mind that like, ah, I probably won't shoot it unless it's a giant. Like then all of a sudden I thought about it a little bit. I'm like that mass on that typical side is way bigger than that 170 inch I shot. And it just thought, I mean, after that, I was like, no more looking at horns. It's a giant, you know, just concentrate on the deer and, you know, it's starting to get a little dark out and, you know, I, it's still behind all the brush and it's not moving past that scrape. And I'm thinking I should probably grunt if I have like maybe 15 minutes of daylight before it gets dark out. And I thought about, it, I'm like, I'm not going to do that. That other deer still there, still looking. And it would still look down at this deer making a scrape, but I don't think the buck knew that doe was there and that doe didn't, that buck never even bothered her. She just kept browsing and, you know, so now the deer's starting to move away from me. And, you know, at that time I finally grabbed my gun and I'm looking for it, trying to find it in a scope. I got a kind of a more of a brush scope on that. It's not a really a high powered scope. So, you know, as you're looking in the naked eye, you put it in the scope, it's hard to kind of pick it up a little bit and it's angling away from me, quartering pretty hard. You know, I'm kind of following it every once in a while. I look outside the scope and kind of see it with my naked eye, just the body of it. Never, you know, I didn't even look at the horns anymore. And literally it got to the top of this hill where one or two more steps and you know i picked it up at the very end it was going to cross the hill and i probably would have never got a shot on it so and i'm sitting against the rest literally against my one of the trees with my muzzle loader there and it was a solid rest when i first shot you know i put it on him and i'm like okay there it is bang and it, you know the smoke rolls and i could see it take one jump and it was gone and, you know, I kind of listened like, oh, what's going to, you know, and I thought I heard a crash, but, you know, you just never know. And when I shot, I was kind of 50-50 on whether, you know, I knew it was a good shot, the rest, but, you know, it was a longer shot. It wasn't the easiest shot. It was cording away pretty hard. And, you know, and I kind of like waited, you know, and I knew it was a big deer. I was pretty excited. You know, I got a shot on it thinking, okay, you know, so I waited till it got really dark. I got down from the stand and uh, one of my buddies that was out hunting actually heard me shoot, you know, and you know, I had uh, text one of the guys after I shot, I said, I'd, I'd seen another nice buck. I think it's a good one. Of course, all these guys know I shot the two deer and I got pictures of horseshoes and like, you gotta be kidding me. And you know, they're just, and I you know, didn't know if I hit it or not at the time. I told him like, I felt like it was a good shot. We'll see, you know, and, and after I shot it, you know, it was starting to get a little dark out. I, I, I stared at the tree where he was standing, where I knew he went over for, it, it felt like forever, but it was probably like 10 minutes, just trying to mark it because you know when you get down out of the tree mm -hmm. it looks totally different as you're walking to it than when you're in the tree stand that's smart yeah yeah and i literally store you know just stared at it stared at it, kind of marked so i knew right where he crossed um when i got down i that's all i looked at you know and i waited a while you know probably 10 minutes after it was dark just to see what would happen and i kind of snuck up there a little bit and right where he was standing and crossed i couldn't find any blood um there was not a single drop of blood i got a little nervous like potentially did I miss them? You know, you know, with a muzzle loader, you never know, you know, you got two pellets, you know, and they, they can shoot different depending on your powder. And, you know, if it gets warm, if it gets cold, you're just, it's totally different than a shotgun where you got pretty consistent shell and you don't have to worry about anything. And, you know, and I, there's a little road where it, the high point and it has to cross right there. And I combed that just for the kind of a last ditch thing before I was going to get help there. And I found one or two small drops of blood and I immediately just put one of my hats down an orange and then I kind of backed out and I, a couple of my buddies were texting me and I told them, you know, I'm going to come back to, you know, come and grab you guys. There's two of my buddies that we're together pretty much all the time. We hunt together and, you know, they were done hunting and I told them I would meet them right at the edge of the woods where it all started. And, you know, I picked them guys up and, you know, to this, at this time, I didn't even know how big of a deer were. They were like, that was a, you got the big one because they knew about this deer I've been hunting last year and i said i honestly I, I don't know i'm not sure but i know it was a good one and you know we go all the way out there and this uh, you know we get all the way out there and find where my hat was and a drop here a drop there it's pretty defined trail and we were following a trail to drop here not really good blood and all of a sudden you could see trees starting to crash and it literally only went maybe 20 30 yards from where i put my hat down and and then of course it was incredible i was actually the last guy in the line the two of them were in front of me and they seen it before I did, and they're just hooting and hollering and hugging me. And I'm like, I didn't even know what it was. And all of a sudden, I could see the uh, non-typical side, and I'm like, I knew right away which deer it was. And 
we celebrated must we sat there probably 20 30 minutes just can't believe it looking at it celebrating it was, it was something i'll remember for the rest of my life for sure oh my goodness and then and this deer i i was on your profile and saw the picture this buck describe i mean can you describe what he looks like just yeah you know yeah pretty incredible it's a it's 25 points um one side the typical side is seven points um like six inch main beams really huge mass tall tines the other side is 18 points it's got a just a really nice drop tie i want to say it's like an eight inch drop tie still got velvet on the bottom of the drop tie oh yeah i just see that now um it's a deer you dream about it's got a flyer next to the drop tie it's got like eye guards one side's got a triple bra tine. It's inside spread, I think, was just under 21 inches. Um, nothing's official yet, but uh, I did have a Boone and Crockett score. Of a, a guy that lives in the area, a big deer hunter, um, green scored at uh, 223 and 6 ace, um, which is incredible. You know, yeah. and it's one of those deer where, you remember I was telling you about that 170, how do they get any bigger? that 170 fits right inside this one. And it just, it makes it look tiny. It's just, it's one of those deer where every time I look at it, it's like, Oh, I can't believe it. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's incredible. Something that's just something you dream about for sure. Oh man. Yeah. I mean to, to shoot, I think there's a lot of guys on here and, and granted there's probably gotta be some guys that are jealous <laughs> and feel that. Cause there's guys that just want to shoot a 140. Um, you know, one, and I'm probably one of them, a 140. I would have one, been happy with a 140. You bet. That's the one I was after. <laughs> the, exactly. And that, and up until this year, what was your biggest buck prior to this? I would probably say a 130 class deer. You know, I've yeah. shot a, couple nice eight pointers with you know good spread i've shot 110 that was smaller but yeah i would definitely nothing bigger than the 130s for sure mm. so now that you've shot a 220 i got some questions for you Talk, interviewing a guy that shot a 200 inch deer are magazines contacting you are you getting sponsors what happens after you shoot a, a 200 inch uh, inch buck kyle yeah it's pretty cool i mean there's a lot of you know it's overwhelming at first you know just you know, even before I got out of the woods, the amount of phone calls and texts and, you know, so my buddy took a picture and put it on a group message. And, you know, I had 20 people waiting for me before I even got the deer home. You know, it was pretty <laughs> incredible. Yeah. I mean, it was awesome. I got there and I just, I couldn't believe it. It took us a long time to get them out. I mean, it was way back there long, you know, just, a, you know, it was probably like eight thirty when we got home and yeah, really I'm a, in my small little town, kind of, I, I joke around with it local celebrity all my buddies at work deer hunt and you know of course they're after big ones too and they all heard about it and yeah it's pretty cool you know the outdoor lives um, there'll be a couple interviews a couple magazines that'll be in um, north american whitetail contacted me there's a, a company that's owned by like Buckmasters called rack magazine or racks magazine out of alabama area really neat I, he sent me a couple of them if you ever get a chance check that out that racks magazine it's pretty incredible just just kind of like me telling a story of just, you know, nice quality deer. And, you know, that was a pretty cool time. And the local newspapers did a interview. I was, after I shot two of them, you know, the, the one of the guys at work is like, Oh, my the outdoor guy wants to talk to you. And I kind of didn't want to really, you know, publicize it too much, you know, just because of the area I hunt, you know, there are people like that, you know, and after I shot that big one, he's like, you got to do the article, you got to do the article. And I did, and I'm glad I did. Super nice guy by the name of Jeff Brown, uh, Lacrosse Tribune. The, the same newspaper owns like three or four of them in this whole area. And when it went in the newspaper, that was like Christmas Eve. It really blew up after that. But yeah, it's pretty cool. No, no sponsorships or anything like that. I haven't really pursued a lot of that. You know, I you know, yeah. it was pretty cool putting it on a couple of the online Facebook message boards and you know a couple of pictures and. You know, one of the coolest things, I didn't even think about it. You know, we took a lot of pictures in the woods, a lot of pictures when we got it here. And, you know, one of my uh, good buddies that helped recover the deer, his sister is a fantastic photographer. She took family pictures of us last year. And he's like, you know, you should really take good pictures of this deer. And I'm like, I'm glad you thought of that. Cause I was literally going to take it to the taxidermist that night, that yeah. day. And she came over. And if you go on my Facebook page, them oh. pictures are all, her name is Amber Thorson. And incredible she did a great fantastic pictures. job yeah, yeah. i'm it so looks glad i did that I so professional did it. yeah it was awesome but yeah it's been overwhelming and you know i shot it december 6th so it's kind of died down i'm getting back to normal here a little bit but yeah i'm it's it's been a fun ride i'm still 
on the high yet. You know, I still get people, you know, that come to work and buy cars for me. Oh, I seen you in the paper. Congratulations. <laughs> and yeah. You know, with COVID see, we're still kind of, you know, not a lot of people are traveling and you know, a lot of, I haven't seen a lot of my relatives that I usually see at Christmas time and Thanksgiving and stuff, but yeah, it's been fun. Um, oh, it's been cool. awesome really. Have you now, have you done any other podcasts? I didn't ask you that before we even got started on this. No, this is my first one. Um, a couple cow. of my buddies sent me a few names, you know, and I just haven't pursued a lot of it yet. Yeah. But, um, I might do one or two more, but, you know, I never really looked into it too much. But, yeah, this is the first one I've done. Oh, I'm honored, man. That's awesome. Well, very yeah. cool. I'm sure I'm, I'm guessing that there'll be some others reaching out once this story kind of gets out there and people hear just the season that you had. Now, let me ask you one more question related to the the 200-incher thing. You know, I think guys get overwhelmed with that, and that just is like that magical number and the shoot one one that's 220 is just insane. Um, and, and so I think sometimes there's always these guys, it's kind of like people want to talk to a celebrity and what's it like. And, right. and I think for you, you, you're a down to earth guy. That's what I like about you. And, um, you just I'm seem pretty like ordinary a ordinary guy I mean, yeah, living in a small town years. and, and you accomplished a goal that is just insane. You know, it's just one of those things that worked out. Has there been anything negative? Has there been any downside to shooting a, a giant buck like that? Anything that comes to mind? Nothing too terrible. I mean, there's a few people I think that weren't too happy that maybe, you know, knew it was in the area, you know, maybe more bummed out than anything. And I would say the only negative is you get on the internet, on the Facebooks, and a lot of it is, oh, high fence deer, guy paid hunt. And, you know, a lot of people don't know you and have no idea. And anytime you shoot a big deer like that, that's the first thing they say is, you know, guided hunt or high fence. And and I just chuckle about it. It doesn't really bother me because they're, they don't know me. They're not even from my area, but for the most part where I'm at, it's been a hundred percent positive. You know, the locals mm. here, I mean, we're all deer hunters, everybody. I know so many people in the area. I grew up here. They all know I hunt. I know they hunt and the amount of people that stopped over and checked it out and called me and text me. And, you know, it's been awesome. I mean, and that's small town, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's not a lot of deer like that, you know, I've never seen one ever shot in this area yeah. you know, like that, but for the most part, it's been really positive. No, that's good. I, I'm really glad that that's the case. And I hope maybe that's the case that can go across. I mean, you always have those guys that are going to troll and they, they have yep. stuff to say and it just, I don't know if it's human nature or what it is. Egos kind of flare up on the internet, but I think the more we can support each other and exactly. especially be, be happy for guys. Cause there are a lot of, like giant bucks that are shot on high fences. And if somebody wants to pay for that, it's illegal, go for it. But I, I think we can be happy. We should be happy for a guy like you. That's like us, you know, hunting some good properties and, and you get a chance at three big bucks in one season, yeah. man, I, I tell you, if you haven't played the lottery yet, I think you probably ought to go out and do that. Yeah. I definitely so. heard that a couple <laughs> of times, I guess around here, like the local thing is like 650 million. I don't know if it's a power boy. Yeah. I've probably heard buy a lottery ticket no less than 20 times well, the last couple of weeks or months, you know, but yeah, I don't know. I should. I mean, I, it's, it's just, I'm really blessed. I really, well, and I, and I say that, but I also think, you know, there's also a little bit of a dig in that because, oh, you got lucky. To shoot three bucks like that, Kyle, you have to be doing something right. Yeah, you have definitely. To know where the deer are. You have to be willing. To, most guys aren't willing to hike 45 minutes back in on a property. So in one regard, yes, you have to be lucky. But on the other, you also have to know what you're doing. And so congratulations on on putting those pieces of the puzzle together and going where the deer are. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. One of the other things too, that really helped me out in the last two or three years, I spend a lot of time in here spring, you know, shed hunting. And, you know, I learned so much when, you know, it's not overgrown. It's hard to put stands up in the summer and fall when everything's so thick, but I one my best spots that I've been hunting these last few years, I found during spring shed hunting and walking trails and you can still see all the rubs, the scrapes, everything's defined, but you know, that's probably one of my favorite things to do now is walk woods in the spring when, you know, you learn so much and that mm. helped me out. It really did. Mm, I appreciate that advice. And my buddies told me that, and I, I don't do a lot of shed hunting, but I think this year more than ever, I want to spend more time on the scouting and hopefully that'll cut down on the amount of hunts that I'm actually going out, you know, so I'm making the most of, of the hunts that I have. So. Yeah, definitely scouting early before it gets, you know, fall. I think that made a difference. I I'm not that great of a shed hunter. I've only found a handful here or there. I got a couple of buddies that are phenomenal, but I just, for me, it's learning, you know, and it, yeah. it, the woods looks totally different and you learn a lot and that carries over. Mm. 
I appreciate that. Well, two questions to close out. Um, really appreciate your time today. First off, did you get an elk? I didn't, you know, we kind of left that story. Did you have any <laughs> luck in elk season back there? I did not get one. Um, okay. I seen a couple, I mean, I seen giant elk, um, but with a bow, it was really tough. I yeah. had one where I potentially could have shot like it just had two antennas go straight up and I didn't shoot at that one, but my uncle did. And the, the one other guy did, but I personally did not get an elk. Oh, Kyle, I can't believe you would not get a, an elk like that. I mean, <laughs> I don't know why I'm even interviewing. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Those elk are tricky, man. I tell you, with a bow, it is such a different game, and it's yeah. it's a blast. Well, I wanted to find yeah. out. I, I thought I'd – if you got an elk, too, I mean, that is the perfect season. So <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. One day, maybe. So where do you go from here? Um, you just shot three giant bucks in one year. Where do you go? Do you have any, first off, are you done for the season? Do you have any more tags? Are you, are you, yeah, are you no, done? the season's all done. Um, okay. After I shot that last one, I was, you know, kind of, that was kind of it for me. Um, we did a couple more, you know, party hunting with people wanting to fill tags. And um, I'm almost embarrassed to see it, but or say it, but I see a couple more nice bucks driving deer with buddies. And, you know, I might potentially, I didn't pull up and even, you know, think about shooting a couple of them, but there was a couple of them that I see that it was one of those years, Travis, where I felt like no matter where I was driving the thickest, even I was trying just to move deer to other people. I just was a magnet. I mean, it was kind of crazy, but I, I didn't shoot any more deer. The season's over with now. And I, after that last one, I was pretty much done. I mean, it was, yeah, you know, pretty awesome season. And that was just the icing on the cake, but you know, as far as next year, I mean, I'm going to do the same habits I do. I mean, I, I, I would not be shocked if I didn't see a deer next year. I might've used up all my luck this year, Yeah. Um, but I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to, you know, do my shed hunting to put my food plots in, move a couple stands. And I found a couple good spots, of course, uh, you know, late season hunting, but I'm not going to do much different. And, you know, I don't think I'm going <laughs> to come across anything like I did this year, um, but I'm going to try and see what yeah. happens. Does, does your standards change at all after shooting a 200 inch buck? Do you like say, well, I'm going to let the 140 go next year or is I it? No, I'm not sure. Cause I've never seen a ton of one forties. I, I, it would be tough. It would really be tough. Cause I haven't shot a lot of huge deer in my life, but you know, I see, you know, the, when I was pushing deer in the late seasons, those are still giant deer to me. And I don't know. I mean, it would be awfully tough, I guess we'll see what happens if I have mm. anything nice on camera and I'll scout if there's something I've never been where I'm only going to hold out for one deer, that deer, nothing. It's not, you know, that's not how I hunt. I, I'm going to try to do the same thing. And, you know, I may let, if I'm seeing decent ones on camera, but I don't know that, you know, a one fifties or anything, you know, I think I'm still shooting it. I don't know that I can let that go. I love that, man. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, man, that's awesome. Well, Kyle, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for giving us some of your time today and and telling such amazing stories. And I think it's encouraging to guys to listen to know, hey, you know, may, maybe we're not going to have the same type of year as you. Maybe that'll never happen. But just you never know what will happen when you put yourself in those situations. Hunt smart, play the wind, go in and learn the places, scout and give yourself an opportunity and, and see what the Lord throws in front of you, you know, and just... Um, you know, looking for those opportunities that that's encouraging. I think to anybody listening, it can happen. So Absolutely. that's why we go. So, well, Kyle, once again, I just want to say thanks, man, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate you having me. It was great to talk. Like I said, this is my first podcast ever. I, I enjoyed it. This was a great time. No, you did a great job and uh, I hope to talk to you soon. We'll maybe see how next year plays out for you and maybe <laughs> we'll have you back on for some more stories. All right. Yeah, Very nice. All right, man. Well, you take care and have a great day. You as well. Thanks, Travis. What a crazy season for Kyle Dulek. Uh, I can't be happier for that guy. And, you know, maybe you're you're like me a little bit, kind of a little jealous. Like, man, that's just nuts. And then, you know, something I said during the podcast that I kind of started regretting after I said it was, oh, have you played the lottery? You know, and, I, and he said so many people have, have asked him that. And, and I got to thinking, that's kind of a rude thing to say almost. It's like, man, you just got lucky. You got real lucky. And did Kyle get lucky? Well, yeah, I think Kyle did get lucky. I mean, to shoot that many bucks and, and he had never shot any that big before, was there some luck involved? I'm sure there had to be 
some sort of luck or, or whatever you want to call that. But that wasn't all there was, right? If you guys listen closely, Kyle is, he, he plays things right. He knows how to play the wind. He goes into the right spots. He doesn't overhunt. He scouts a good bit. So this is this guy is a good hunter. He knows what he's doing. And so it kind of begs that question, which was it? Was it his skill that got him these bucks, or was it luck or providence or the Lord's will, however you want to talk about it. You know, if, if you're a Christian, you might already know this. If you don't know, in Christian circles, sometimes there's this debate. Um, this is kind of where my mind went on this. There's this debate on, do we have free will as Christians, like a choice? It's all up to us and our choice. Um, or is it uh, a word called sovereignty? Is it all up to God? Like if God is most powerful and overall, then he knows everything that's going to happen. So anything that happens, like you coming to the Lord or anything that happens, is all up to him. And so you have like these two camps. And I'll be honest, sometimes it's kind of, it's split churches. People have fought over this, like one or the other, you know, is, is it free will? I get my own way and I choose or is it God has all the power and I get no say in anything? And there are vo- I just got to point out some verses real quick, and, and I want you to follow me on, on why I'm thinking this. Um, Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. So, verse kind of talking about before you are even born. Uh, Ephesians 1, 3 through uh, 4. Um, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So, you read verses like that, and you're like, man, God knows what he's doing. There's verses that talk about how God has to open a person's heart before they can come to him. But, but then you... The flip side, you look over on the other side, and there's some verses that say, like Proverbs 16, 9, the heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. Uh, John 7, 17, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God. So if anyone's will is to do God's will. So it sounds like, and there's a hundred other verses on both sides of that uh, coin, there's these you know verses that kind of support both. And so which is it? I go back to editing my video. Um, I knew whenever I started editing my Doe video that I wanted something special. I wanted something unique, and I didn't want to just go with the status quo. And I, but I didn't know how I was going to get there exactly. I knew what the end result was going to be. I had that in my head. I knew how I wanted the end of my video to turn out. I wanted it to end with the epic shot on the Doe, me getting excited, and then me talking about the experience. But I didn't quite have it all piece together. So what I did is I just kind of started working and I'd put a clip in and then I would see what it was and then I would adjust my voiceover and I would do these different things and I kind of played with it as I went. There's some things I had to like go back and redo and take things out and in the end result I, I got a video that I'm very proud of. Um, and, I, and I think about how God works with us. Um, does God know the full picture? I, I think sure. If he wants to know the whole, whole picture of our lives, he can. Does God enable people to come to him? Absolutely. But I think at the same time, God is an editor. <laughs> he is a creator. He is a content creator. And he wants to not just have, I mean, if I just knew exactly what it was going to be and I just laid it out, there's no enjoyment. I think God wants to interact with us. He, I think he gives us free choice on some things. And he uh, enables us to make choices and decisions. And, and so I go back to Kyle's hunt. He had some things that he had to do as a hunter to put himself in those situations. But at the same time, there was a, a bigger plan kind of playing out in front of him. So what does that mean for you? I, I don't know exactly. I just want you to think on it. Um, Think about the choices that you're making, and maybe you're at a point in your life where you feel like maybe God is calling you to like a next step, a next level. Um, maybe you're not a part of a, a body of believers. Maybe that's the next step. Maybe it's you need to give up some things from the past that you've been hanging on to. Maybe it's you've just never given your life to the Lord. You've never fully made that commitment. Maybe he's drawn you to a certain point, and now the choice is up to you on what you're going to do. Um, I know there's people that are deep theologians that may disagree, but I, I see a balance in the two ways. I think it's two uh, sides of the same coin. So uh, I hope that is an encouragement to you. I hope something for you to think about. really appreciate you guys coming, supporting this podcast. appreciate the great feedback and all that you've given me. And uh, thank you so much for all of that. hope that you guys are having a fantastic week, and I hope to see you next week. And until then, remember to shed the light.